0: As a park ranger, Sarah had heard plenty of stories about Bigfoot sightings in the area. She always dismissed them as nothing more than tall tales, until one night when she had an encounter that she couldn't explain. Sarah was doing her rounds, checking the trails and campsites when she heard a strange noise. It was a low, guttural growl that made the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. She shone her flashlight around, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. Suddenly, She heard a loud snap and turned to see a massive creature standing before her. It was a bipedal brown Bigfoot, towering over her at nearly eight feet tall. Its eyes glowed in the beam of her flashlight, and she could see its powerful muscles rippling beneath its fur. Sarah tried to back away slowly, but the creature took a step forward, blocking her path. She could feel the fear creeping up inside her as the creature bared its teeth, growling menacingly. Just when Sarah thought she was done for, the creature suddenly turned and ran off into the forest. She stood there trembling and trying to catch her breath, wondering what had just happened. Over the next few days, Sarah couldn't shake the feeling that she was being watched. She heard strange noises and saw shadows moving in the trees. She even found large footprints in the dirt, confirming that what she had seen was real. Finally she decided to do some research on Bigfoot sightings in the area. To her surprise, she found that there were dozens of reports of sightings, and even encounters like hers. Sarah continued her work as a park ranger, but she always kept her eyes and ears open for any signs of the mysterious creature. She knew that the forest held many secrets and that she had just scratched the surface of what lay hidden within its depths. My son has convinced me to contact you. I will tell your organization of our encounters. On November 28, 2008, I was visiting a friend's house in Lacey's Spring, Alabama. His house is in a small, middle-class neighborhood with mountains and woods that stretch for miles behind his home. I woke up to use the bathroom at about 4 a.m. and had just laid back down when I began to hear loud vocalizations. The sounds were very similar to the Ohio and Mississippi recordings. I was inside the house, and his heating unit was running, so they must have been very loud outside. I got up and went out on his back deck, but by the time I got there, they had stopped. I listened for about ten minutes and heard nothing. The heating unit was next to the deck and was quite loud, so I decided to go back inside. About the time I started to fall asleep, it started again. The howls lasted about three minutes. Then stopped, I thought that it might be my friend snoring in the back bedroom, but I don't believe this was so because the neighborhood dogs were barking throughout the area in response to the howls. At this point, I knew something outside was making the noise. I wanted to go into the woods for a better listen, but walking into the woods with no one in the know and not prepared for self-defense or to photograph or record the creature did not seem like a wise proposition. The howling started and stopped three more times and finally finished at dawn. I talked with my son about what I had heard, and he and I have also had an encounter with this animal in the past. This happened in 1960 or 1961 near Douglas, Manitoba, on the road to Camp Shiloh, which would now be the 340 Highway. My future Uncle Ron was in the military and was dating my auntie at the time, who lived with us in a little hamlet called Douglas, Manitoba. He and my dad were both in the military at the time. Apparently, on his way back on the road to Camp Shiloh after visiting my auntie one evening, he had an encounter with what he described as a very large wolf-like thing sitting in the middle of the road. It would not move, so he stopped and it just sat there. All of a sudden, his car was shaken as something was at the backside area of his car. This animal or thing then lifted his back end and dropped it. My uncle was so petrified as he said whatever it was, it was huge. He could not see it in his rearview mirror, but he knew it had to have been another one of those wolf-like things. The other wolf creature in the road in front of the car had disappeared, and so my uncle just gunned it out of there, not looking back as he was terrified. He did not believe in the supernatural, but he said he knew what he saw and felt that night. He thought it was a wolf, but he wasn't really sure what it was. All he knows is that it looked like a huge wolf. I was very little at the time, and he told my mother what happened as he knew she believed in the supernatural. I'm just wondering if anybody else around that time in that area had any encounters such as this. I've searched, but can't find anything." I'm 18e, and this is a story that both my parents recall. 56 male, 48 female. It happened around 2004 in January, a few days after I was born in Peters Township, Pennsylvania. They were driving home on a well-traveled but still rural road to the newly built development where they lived. They had just passed a power station when they looked into the field to the left and saw it. They describe it as a wolf the size of a small horse with a barrel chest running on all fours with red eyes. They were traveling at around 35 miles per hour, and it kept perfect pace with the car. Around 100 yards from the turn into the development, it ran across the road and disappeared into the woods. These are the stories told to me by my two best friends of 20 years. I'm going to preface this by saying these two are some of the most honest people I've ever known— and it took them years before they'd speak to me about this stuff. Once I was able to convince them to tell me about this, the older of the two brothers broke down into tears and abruptly left about halfway through the first story. It's just too traumatic for him to relive. I felt bad for that and haven't asked him to speak about it since that day. His younger brother, that I'm closer with, provided the detail as well as their cousin, who carries a religious title that's essentially an enforcement position, designated to deal with the presence of skinwalkers and related threats. This is a really long post, so buckle up. I was told that the Zunis are a bit different compared to other reservations in New Mexico, specifically because when the U.S. government sanctioned land to all the native tribes, the Zunis didn't work with the government. Anybody who's traveled through Neem knows there's a casino on almost every reservation. The Zunis do not have a casino because they refuse to work with the government, and specifically refuse to provide information about their heritage and the land they live on. My buddy told me the tribal elders taught him that the Zunis are in that specific area because they're protecting secrets of the land. I'm going to add in a couple details that pertain to the story, and I'll expand on that later. Apparently... My friend, the younger brother, was born with a split tongue, like a lizard, and slits in his pupils instead of being round. You're probably making the face I made when I was first told that, but keep in mind, all of this is religious to the Zunis. They're very serious about all of it. They do not allow non-tribal members this knowledge, nor do they allow the presence of non-Zunis. You can be visit if invited, but would not be allowed to stay during certain times." I'll start with the first story they shared when we were around 13 years old... ...and is the first experience of many that is too much for my friend to relive. He said he was very young and was woken up abruptly in the night to glass breaking. When he opened his eyes, his dad, already in his son's room, motioned to him to stay where he is... ...and to be quiet while pointing a large revolver toward the kitchen where the window was broken. Not long after, his dad fired multiple shots... He then heard a screech so loud it hurt his ears, along with a scuffle in the next room, and saw a shadow on the wall that he said did not look or move anything like a person. Apparently, whatever was in the house immediately leapt out the same window that was broken to get in. He said the adults gathered and left to find it shortly after, but was never told what they found, just that it was definitely a skinwalker. The day after he broke down into tears talking about it, I went and saw him and was apologizing, and surprisingly, he said, the shadow and screeching he saw scarred him, and is ultimately why they left the reservation. I never asked him about it again. Another instance that the older brother told me was one that left me particularly intrigued, though I'm not sure why compared to some of the other stories. He said they were having some sort of celebratory feast one night, and my friend saw what he described as a very small person stealing their food while the adults weren't looking. He said it was around one, two feet tall, and when he saw it, he immediately shouted to his dad and all the adults dropped what they were doing and immediately started chasing it, trying to corner it. This went on for a while, and during the commotion, they realized there were multiple tiny beings, two of which were able to escape into the gutters. He said he remembers everybody trying to reach into the gutters and block them from getting away, But one was caught, and he distinctly remembers his uncle holding it up high by the leg, and he watched it scream in terror, and it sounded like a tiny human. Then they immediately tied it up and stuffed him into a cloth pouch and burned him alive over a fire. He said the way it screamed while burning terrified him because he could hear how much pain it was in. But they are human-like, by the way he explained them. They seemed like something that looks like lawn gnomes. He doesn't know if they're necessarily evil, but they kill every single one they come across. Not sure why, but that one really creeps me out. The next, I i remember. The two brothers were together somewhere out in the wilderness, hunting rabbits just outside the reservation. They were walking home because the sun had just went down, but came across a barely standing shack. Being dumb kids with a pellet gun, they went inside and shortly after a rock hit the wall of the shack... So they immediately go outside and within seconds notice commotion in the vegetation about 30 feet away. They had one flashlight, so they pointed toward the movement, and a human looking figure stood up, faced them with its head tilted to the side, described it as very, very pale with facial features that were not human. He said, I don't know how to explain it, man. It just didn't look like a person. So upon seeing that they immediately took off running back home, And as soon as they did, they see coyotes just sitting alongside the trail, standing off to the side, but all were just staring at them with no fear of their presence, and followed them all the way back. They said they were told by the elders, they being warned off. And the commotion in the grass was the skinwalker changing form. They said they never went back to that area again, and the younger brother said he'd never been so terrified. I'm glad the younger brother told me about that story instead of his older brother. The younger brother still today is able to better deal with harsh realities. He told me that him and a couple friends would play around this mountain and knew where the entrance to a cave was. They tried to go into the cave, but not far from, and the entrance got too small for him to fit, and even his ten-year-old torso wouldn't squeeze through the narrow opening. He said they were off to the side of the entrance, hiding from another friend walking toward them, and noticed something moving very, very fast going in and out of the cave entrance. He and his friends said they went back every day for over a week and would watch them for hours, but couldn't ever see what exactly they were, but were astounded at the speed they moved at, but didn't understand how they were getting in and out, as they were much bigger than him. He was forbidden from ever going back after the adults found out what he and his friends were up to. As for their cousin, that carries the title given to those who are there to deal with skinwalkers, I ended up getting pretty close with him, too, since his cousins are like family to me, and I picked his brain one night. He said they consider them a manifestation of pure evil. They're ruthless, and they know they're not supposed to be around the Zuni people. They're fully aware of their actions. If they find out a skinwalker is near, they immediately hunt it down, catch it, and string it upside down over a fire and burn it alive till there's nothing left. Bones and all. During that process... He said the sounds they make is like nothing you'd hear anywhere else. He said you can't kill them with bullets, and there's different levels to their abilities. They can affect you in a variety of ways, but always in a negative fashion, such as leaving you sick or dead. If I remember correctly, there's a time every year where everybody but him and others, with his title, stay inside and lock the doors and block the windows... And he will then walk the town in specific clothing and chant specific words, then hunt skinwalkers with his peers. I didn't really understand, but it was implied that skinwalkers are expected to be present around this time. But he spoke about it like it's something completely normal. I think it's like a holiday, and during this week or so, there's a period where the skinwalkers arrive, and that's the main reason they designate enforcers that are trained to deal with them and apparently never look the skinwalkers in the eyes. One last story I'm gonna share is not from the Zuni Reservation. This is a story my uncle told me and takes place in a reservation outside Bernalillo. A small city, which is about 20 minutes away from Albuquerque, but I don't remember the name of the reservation. So my uncle was a sniper in the Air Force and saw combat in Panama. After leaving the military, he was a firearm instructor for a PD Albuquerque police. Then for Bernalillo, one day he gets a call about a drunk guy acting strange at the base of a mountain. So he shows up, but doesn't see anyone there. So he gets out and starts looking around, and at the base of the mountain, he finds clothes neatly folded. As he turns around, he's surprised by what he calls the biggest wolf he's ever seen in his life, about 20 feet away, walking straight toward him. He said it was around five feet tall and staring right in his eyes. So he immediately puts his hand on his holstered gun, but doesn't draw and starts walking backward toward his car, while the wolf continues toward him. Once he reached his unit, he gets inside as fast as possible, and when he shut the door, it was now an inch away from his window. He said he had to look up at it while seated in his unit. He then makes a sorry-I'm-leaving gesture and drove down the road where he met one of the reservation officers. She asked him what happened, since he was pale and visibly shaken. All he was able to muster was I don't know. "'It's massive, and I don't think I belong here. I didn't.' And she immediately put her hand up and said, "'Don't worry about it. I gotcha. "'I've been wondering when this would happen again. "'Go ahead and get out to here.' Then she drove off. She didn't go to the area, but rather parked her car sideways, blocking the entrance to that area, and started making calls. He says, by the way, that thing was looking directly in his eyes. Not to mention the absurd size and aggression-slash-lack-of-fear- ...also folded clothes... ...that he knew he was face to face with a skinwalker... ...and he hopes he never comes across something like that again. To end this, I'll talk about what the younger brother told me... ...and shown me about their heritage. One day, he took out a box and showed me the contents... ...saying that his father had given it to him... ...and had been passed down from father to son for over a thousand years. Inside was a couple different dry plants and various things but most notably a rock carved by hand of a reptile-like humanoid. It looked like a person, but with armored scales and face with a protruding mouth and large teeth. I don't want anybody to think I'm a conspiracy theorist, because I'm not, but this thing looks exactly what I've heard explained. Reptilian aliens would probably look like. We were both pretty amazed, as he never really thought twice about what that would mean. Around this time... We were getting stoned and entertaining ourselves with aliens and laughing about conspiracy theories. Keep in mind, this is the guy who was born with a split tongue and slits in his eyes. His mother confirmed that to me as well. He went on to tell me the Zunis are protecting the secrets of the land... ...and their reservation doesn't have a casino... ...because they refuse to sell out all their knowledge to the government. He said he was taught that beings came out from inside the earth and met with their people thousands of years ago. These beings lived somewhere inside the earth where it's warm, and eventually these reptilian beings went back to live under the surface. I don't remember if they went back into the earth after they had some feud or war, or if it was because of outsiders arriving, but after they met the ancient Zunis for a short time, they bred with each other. My buddy is apparently a descendant of those two species mixing, and is why he was born with a split tongue and slits in his pupils. Now I don't know what connection skinwalkers have to this reptilian species that live inside the earth, or roasting tiny food thieves and celebrating, while they scream through an agonizing death, but I do find it very interesting that all of this is associated with native belief. I plan on going over all this with him too, as I'm going off of memory from 520 years ago. The younger brother is my closest friend— So if anybody has questions, I'll do my best to answer. Or if there's something you'd like me to ask him, I can do that as well. I've done some extensive research as to find an explanation on what me and three other friends witnessed in broad daylight. And that research led me here. A couple friends and I were traveling along IH-40 when we needed to stop in Gallup to fill up the gas tank. The time was about 4 p.m. or so, and we pull into the town. There was a gas station close by to the entrance, so we decided to go there, and as we waited in the turning lane, we noticed a girl or boy. We couldn't tell what this person was, because it had a hoodie on with the hood tightly secured around its head. As it walked in front of our vehicle, it turned to look at us, and the face we saw was not human at all. It had a long face with a pointy chin, a small nose, and very big, elongated eyes. So, of course, we all flipped the F out for a brief second as it turned away and began running. We attempted to follow it, but in a matter of five seconds it was gone. I'm hoping locals have seen similar things, because the only two guesses we have is that what we saw was either an alien or a shapeshifter similar to a skinwalker. I want to return to Gallup soon and stay for a few nights to really gain some clarity to it all. New Mexico has always been very mystical... And this is one of many experiences we had while just simply passing through. My sighting happened last summer. I was kayaking down a creek. It was about the middle of the day. I was coming down the creek. The creek I was coming down is deep in some parts and shallow in some... There are always deer and turkey moving through. When I came around the curve in the creek, a splash happened right in front of me... I thought it may have been a fish, so I kept paddling. Then three more splashes hit by me. The last splash I saw it was a rock. So I slowed down in the creek to look. I started looking in the direction the rocks came from. It was sitting on its knees like a person would. Then it stood up. When it stood up, the hair on back of my neck did. Me and it made eye contact for around 30 seconds. It turned and started running through the woods, I've seen and heard people run through the woods. Its stride was wider than any human's. When it ran, it didn't bother dogging sticks and stuff. It just ran through the brush. After that, I turned around and started paddling back to my truck. I went back down there that night to see if I could spotlight it. I'd done a howl and waited to see if it would respond. But then I heard two knocks back to back. I knocked on a tree. I'd knocked back at me. But it was off in the distance, so I couldn't see it. This is my first time going public about this encounter, out of fear of seeing it again. This took place roughly 14 years ago. When I was a kid, my family moved out of the city and moved to a small town called Deerbrook, situated on the outskirts of Antigo, Wisconsin. Our house was surrounded by woods on three sides and a river and field in the back. The first year out there was really calm and relaxing, other than constant coyote howls every night. But every so often there would be a different howl. It was a deeper, much louder howl that would shake us to our core. At first, my parents would dismiss it as a wolf or just a bigger coyote, but something about it seemed off. One night in mid-July, my brother, my sister, and I decided to pitch a tent in the back field along the tree line. We just wanted to go, camping ig. We sat with sticks roasting our marshmallows till it got really dark. Then the typical howl started up, But once again, that deep howl was back, and it sounded like it was right in our ears. With how loud it was, it's hard to even guess where it was coming from, so we decided to put out our fire and get in the tent. Later that night, my sister fell asleep, so my brother and I chatted and made jokes. Within minutes, we heard animals running around outside the tent, and then this little raccoon started to claw at the side of the tent that I was sleeping on, and first I kept just poking at it, but then we heard something else— "'the crack of sticks from the trees. "'At that point, my brother thought it was a bear "'and told us to be quiet and woke my sister up. "'We started to hear footsteps coming closer and closer. "'Pretty quick, they were right next to me. "'The raccoon just bolted out of there, "'and there started to have this strange odor coming from somewhere. "'It smelled like copper, sulfur, and wet dog. "'It was almost overpowering and made me want to puke.' The we hear our mom calling us, and as she shined the flashlight on us, "'it revealed the most unsettling thing I have ever seen. "'The shadow of this thing was shining through our tent, and it was massive. "'It had pointed ears that were tilted back like a dog on the prow, "'and its hands were human-looking with long fingers that ended in a point. "'The mouth was in the shape of a snout, just a little shorter, and it had a mid-sized tail.' My mom started screaming and whatever that thing was bolted back into the woods. We rushed inside with our mom and didn't go back out for a few days. Fast forward a few months, I was in the living room with my mom while my sister was in the shower. We were watching Wheel of Fortune or something like that when my sister screamed bloody murder. My mom jumped up and went to go get her. She pulled her out of the bathroom and I got curious as to why she was freaking out, so I went in to see. Above the shower... It one of the super-small windows that only a small head could fit through, and in the window was a set of red, glowing eyes staring down at me. We stared at each other for what felt like a decade. I didn't feel fear, more just curiosity, and I didn't feel like I was in danger at that time. As my mom came in to then pull me out, the eyes turned away as well. The rest of the night was quiet after that. A few days later, my brother came back from his dad's. "'Him and I had bunk beds, so I'd always take the bottom bunk. "'That night was kind of a gloomy night. "'It wasn't real windy, but it was drizzling a little bit. "'Later in the night, my brother and I got woken up to the window being opened. "'It was locked beforehand, by the way. "'After that, we just closed it and went back to bed. "'It happened again and again, like three more times, each time we locked it.' But the final time was the worst. It flung open so hard that the glass shattered and thins thing we saw what pushed it open. That same hand from the tent, but I can see it clearly now. It had matted black fur or hair, rather, covering its whole arm. The skin on its palms was like a light tan, and the claws were about five, six inches long. And on the bottom of the window, I saw its face, or what was showing... It was just the eyes, glowing bright red. They looked like the embers of a roaring fire. My brother and I bolted up, grabbed my sister, and locked ourselves in the back gaming room. We stayed there for the rest of the night, and when my mom came home, we told her and packed our things. We moved out of that house in a day and took what we could fit, filling one car and a U-Haul. My stepdad's truck was full as well, and we left never to return. To this day... My family is scared to talk about it. But if my brother and I have a few drinks, we discuss it. But my mom just shuts down whenever it's brought up. Thanks for your time. My husband has described a hairy biped that has been seen by him on at least two occasions, and by his father on one occasion on Brindley Mountain in Morgan County, Alabama. This biped is well known to residents of this side of the mountain. I have always been skeptical, thinking perhaps they are seeing bears or such. My husband is a seasoned outdoorsman, however, and he rarely mistakes wildlife. In summer of 99, my husband was clearing land for a family member close to the bluff, where sightings were reported off and on. I was sitting on a car watching him in a tree. He's a tree surgeon. I happened to look off toward the tree line for no reason that I recall, and I saw perhaps several hundred feet off... A tall, reddish, man-like creature with no apparent neck standing off in the shadows of the tree line. I looked up at my husband and gestured toward the area. Upon looking back, the creature was gone. My husband's nephew was also sitting next to me, and he saw the same thing I saw. I still to this day wonder what in the world I saw. I know bear, having seen many and having traveled out west, and this was no bear. Since that incident my husband was hunting and he and his father saw from their tree posts the same creature. He would have to tell you the details. He has had, I believe, one other sighting, but there are many accounts within his family and surrounding neighbors on the bluff. I have heard screams late at night, around 2 or 3 a.m., that no one can match them to any certain animal. They are very similar to sound files we have heard online, very much like a bobcat-hound dog combo. It is like a howl, scream, very loud and drawn out. We continue to watch for further evidence but have not had or heard of any activity for a couple of seasons to date. I've seen them all my life growing up on the Navajo reservation, to the point there's no fear or exhilaration anymore. One of my most recent encounters happened a few years ago. I was trying to sleep in the bed of my truck and this strange dog tried to hop in the truck bed with me. I shooed him away and near the wheel well, where the dog went. An angry young man stood up. We were face to face for about a minute before he skipped, not sauntered or walked or ran, but skipped. Off, then the rest of the night, he tried breaking into my truck. He ignored me when I spoke to him. I had half a mind to shoot him before I instead drove off in the middle of the night.